At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are part of face with hard luck. Face to face. Good morning and welcome to Hard Luck Show. You know what it is. I'm a little bit, uh, there we go. Yeah. It's Hard Luck Show. We've got Big Lux. The Indian and old That's blue it. eyes in the house. That's right. Jamon's uh, broadcasting live from Las Vegas right now. That's right. You're via Zoom today. Uh, we yeah. got you, and uh, you're in our hearts and souls today. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we have an extremely special guest. We've actually been trying to get this gentleman on for a while. Uh, shout out to uh, Bobby Ruiz over at Tribal yeah. Clothing for helping us to get this together. I want to introduce to everybody today, Mr. Angel Cortez, to the show. Angel. 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 Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, um, Bobby Tribal uh, told me about you guys. Um, boy. And and he's like, hey, I, I think you guys, you should be on there. I think you guys should talk and, 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 and just get out there, man. And I was like, whatever Bobby's been telling me to do, because he's been mentoring me with my business and my... And my uh, uh, I'm like, whatever you tell me to do, man, I'll do it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby's was... our guy. We trust Bobby a lot. I've been friends yeah. with him for about, uh, man, over 30 years. We've been oh, in man. the clothing business together. And he gave me, Chuman, you listening, he gave me yep. uh, an original rundown with Angel. Uh, we weren't quite able to connect. Me and you had had a discussion about Angel. And I remember me and you being like, damn. How are we gonna? This this story sounds incredible. This is really important. We need to get in touch with Angel and figure this out. And then it came back onto you, Chumahan, correct? Yeah, I, I was just coming home from work and Bobby called me up and, uh, you know, getting a call from Bobby Travel. You're like, uh, okay, what's going on? Last time I was dealing with him, it was because they wanted to remove his art installment over some bullshit. But he called me up and he said, Angel Cortez. He said. This guy is a born leader. He said, this gentleman, right, started out at the street level, worked his way up, got into the military, became an army ranger. Do I have that right, Mr. Cortez? Yes. Damn. Right. Went to Afghanistan. So all that bullshit that tough dudes talk and all that other stuff, this guy was really there doing whatever. I don't even know if he can talk exactly about whatever it is. And so 
uh, he told me all that. And he said that actually Angel Cortez, um, you know, may be able to represent a lot of people. And I'm just going to throw this out there. Mr. Cortez is small in stature. And one of the things that Bobby Tribal really wanted me to know, because Bobby Tribal is a little bit small in stature. Mm -hmm. And he was talking to me. And I'm a little bit small in stature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so Bobby was like. Small in stature crew over here. Yeah, yeah oh, yeah. All right. Small in stature. S-I-S. -I -S, that's what they call it. Dynamite so, comes in big in small packages, though. Well, listen, all I can tell you is, is that I don't know if it's true about Bobby or me, but Mr. Cortez, yeah. Absolutely. And when he was when he was in the trainings or whatever, right, there was some big corn fed southern guys that were giving him the business. But it was uh, Mr. Cortez but... that turned out to be the motherfucking bad ass. You hear that and last course, name, bro. You heard his last name. Come on. Right. Right, Cortez, right, who was cutting a path across South America at one point. Anyway, the point is, though, so I called Angel up. I'm like, yo, you know, this is true. And it was like one of those initial awkward, like, how are you doing things? And then we started getting into it. And he told me a little bit about his story. But one of the things that started really coming up in our conversations was that he's done some other podcasts. And they like the bio part, and the bio part's cool up to a point, but he never gets into the deeper issues of which he's confronted mm. or dealt with or overcome or used as whatever. And some of it is like, for instance, right? He's Latin, mm -hmm. but he's also a patriot. He's also fought for this country sure. overseas. Yeah. And so the question is, is, and really I think it's something he can talk about, is how did he, what was his experience in dealing with racism? Uh -huh. How did he become a leader in, in that environment anyway, right? And how did he earn some respect or how did he go over and above and beyond? And why is it, or what's the difference between being a patriot and fighting for this country, even though you know there might be some folks back home or wherever that aren't exactly feeling you? And how do you transcend all that? Because in my mind, that's a true patriot. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Angel. Is, am I leaving anything out there? Or, or can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, and like on the phone, uh, I said, I'll talk about everything and anything. Um, and, and, and and before we get into all of it, because uh, I, I know some people might have some, some more questions and stuff like, well, who is he and what does he do, right? Uh, and, and a quick little rundown is, is uh, yeah, my name's Angel Cortez. Uh, I'm a former Army Ranger. I uh, was part of the Special Operations Community. I spent almost a decade in the military. I went to Iraq, Afghanistan. I saw a bunch of combat. Um, you know, there's books written about what happened. There's dudes on Fox News giving their side of, of, of the, the story. There's dudes on giving TED Talks based on, on the combat that we saw. And, you know, there's... There's guys out there talking about it enough that anything I say, uh, you, you can hear it, you can watch it. I put a bunch of my combat uh, footage on on a uh, Instagram. Um, but I also work for Defense Strategies Group, which is a tactical company. We also do private security, um, some consulting and stuff like that. We we train anywhere anybody from SWAT teams to moms who've never picked up a firearm. We're based out of LA. Uh, we work with celebrities to you know it, it, we. We are just starting, but we have we are growing really fast. But I also have a company. It's called OG Pumpkin. Um, I sell rash guards because I compete in training jujitsu. I've also competed in, in Muay Thai. Um, we also do skateboarding, uh, skateboards and and shirts and all that stuff. Because uh, I, I am a veteran, but like most veterans, I I 
I'm somebody else besides a veteran, right? I like to skate, surf, martial arts. So my brand is surrounded by, is revolves around those type of activities. Um, plus being a veteran. And you know what? I don't mean to interrupt, but can you answer the question? Cause we, I feel like in the last 10 years, we got a lot of Navy SEALs talk. Yeah. (laughs) But, but like, what's an army ranger for the uninitiated? So an, an army ranger is where, where the world's elite, uh, light infantry force, right? As in when they need a lot of manpower, but to be quick and attack something, they call us. Uh, special forces, or what they're also known as as, as uh, Green Berets, that they're a, they're not a platoon size. So in other words, they're not like thirty people or more deep. Uh, I've worked with ODAs who are as small as eight guys. Uh, the team is eight guys. You know, so you got eight guys to maybe fourteen guys. Uh, yes, they can do a lot, but that can't compare to uh, you know a platoon or a company of rangers that know how to move and shoot, communicate together. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with seals. Seals are they they are a small element. They are not a huge element. So that we all have our areas that we focus on. And right now, and because uh, for so Defense Strategies Group or DSG, DSG, um, we're all former special operation guys and we have a lot of SEALs and some of them are active duty and, and obviously amongst ourselves, we crack jokes. And yeah, the, the, the SEALs are hot right now. Right now, that's that's what's hot, right? right? In Hollywood, right. books and everything. And before that, if, if, if people remember, it was the Rangers, right? You have Black Hawk Down, Rangers. Right. You have St. Pipe Ryan, Rangers. Um, and then, and then, what was Rambo? What was Rambo? So Rambo is like like a, the, and then those that was all like Green Beret special forces, right? Because you had a bunch right. of a bunch of those movies that were that were older, like nineties uh, and eighties and seventies. Mm-hmm. It was all about <laughs> yeah. Green Berets, commandos, special forces, right? So, but right now it, it is what it is. You know, the Navy SEALs are hot right now. Yeah. Right, and what would an Army Ranger like if you were talking shit to a Navy SEAL? What kind of things would an Army Ranger bring up? Oh, we tell we tell them that you know all they do is uh, put hair gel and <laughs> and tan outside and and occasionally go out, you know. Um, and you know we'll say like, hey man, your 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 tempo might be high, and and you talk about having a high combat mission tempo, but like that's just regular stuff for us. <laughs> and 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 you know we just we crack jokes and then they'll say like you guys you know because they do a bunch of underwater stuff you know they're like you can't even swim you know stuff like that because we do have water requirements but not like them obviously their hell week and stuff like that revolves around the beach and water you know so they'll they'll say stuff like that and it's all fun yeah how did you decide to actually enter the military um for well for for a lot of reasons you know um i i I grew up watching, um, you know, those war movies, and I saw them as as real superheroes. Like, yeah, like any other kid, I like Batman and Superman, but but in reality, I knew th- that was fake. And these soldiers, what they had for each other, I liked, you know, because it, uh, uh, being raised in a low income community, and you know, not having the best parents, you know, they they, they showed things that I wish I had. You know, they they had a brotherhood, they cared for each other. They, um, you know, build each other up, and I wanted that, and I wanted to be like that. And me being a malnourished small kid, obviously, I was not big and strong and tough, or at least I didn't see myself in that way. So um, they had and looked like everything I wanted or hoped to be. When it was aspirational to you, uh, yes, at that time. Let me ask you something: Where did you grow up? Where did you come from, Angel? So, uh, so 
Santa Ana and Garden Grove. My parents were split. My mom lived in Garden Grove. My dad lived in Santa Ana, and we would do the two weeks here, two weeks there, and sometimes they would fight. It you know to be like half a year here, half of the year there. Um, Only sibling, or did you have brothers? No, I had I had four from my mom and dad. It's four of us, but my dad keeps having kids, so mm-hmm. we're at eight now. I think. Okay. Yeah, um, but four from one mother. Yes. Yeah, there. but I see all of them as, as my brother and sister. All right, of course. Did any of your siblings go into the service? No, because um, my my old the, my oldest brother was was born in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I was the first born in, in the U.S. And then it was my sister, and then my mom kind of got homesick, and we we moved back to Mexico. And okay. then that's where my younger brother was was born mm-hmm. at. So out of the four of us, only two were born here. Um, I joined um, also for another reason because, you know, I was born and raised on food stamps. So the way I saw it was the country that had helped my family and I have food on the table. Um, when, when many nights I would go to sleep, you know, hungry, uh, sleeping on the floor, you know, uh, the way I saw it was a country that was taking care of my family and I is in trouble. And now it's time for me to repay that. Right. You know, some people in that situation, some kids in that situation that are looking for that brotherhood turn to maybe like gangs or something. Did Were, were you attracted into that direction in the beginning or did yeah. you already yeah. know? Not? H- no, 100%. I, uh, I still skate to this day, but I was a skater back then. So and, and, and as I became of age, right, you're not a little kid now, you're, you're noticed. Um, I kind of gravitated to that. And based on who I was, you know, I didn't want to be punked. Um, cause I, I saw the dudes who don't join gangs. Yeah. They're not dealing with the gang drama and all that, but every now and then they're getting punked and I didn't right. want, I, I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be the dude who, you know what, I'm, I'm not in gangs, but every now and then I know if these dudes want to punk me, well, they're going to punk me because I don't have backup. My friends aren't fighters and stuff like that. Right. And, and I made the decision to, to join the gang. Is that right? And, um, I mean, did you, how how what was what was it like in school for you? Were you a decent student? No, I was I was a uh, I was besides math and PE, I failed everything else, you know. And for the longest time, I because life was so shitty when when, when growing up that when things in class were bad, I never said anything. And one of the things that that I learned um, was that well, I had bad vision, so. Anytime I got placed far away from the board, I never said like, "Hey, I can't really oh, okay. see what's right. going on." Right. I just, uh, I saw it as it is what it is, and you can't see because you can't see. I it had never occurred to me to raise my hand and say like, "Hey, my my vision's not that great. I can't see the board because you, you go to you you're hungry at home and you know there's no food in the fridge. You gotta suck it up. The just, power's yeah. off, you right. know. So yeah, you're not right. gonna ask for power when you're not like, uh-huh. "Yo, there is no power." Yeah. Yeah, you know why yeah. is the water cold? Well, because that's all. That's all you have is cold water. So that's why I never kind of looked as like uh, sniveling or complaining. Yeah. yeah so I just yeah. I, it is you know it is what it is. How old were you when you went into the military? Uh, seventeen and a half. Because I um, I thought you had to be eighteen. So when I turned seventeen, I had this like little spiel I made for the recruiter. I walked in, I gave him my my little speech that I had prepared, and then he's like. You know you don't gotta wait till you're 18. You can, you can do 17 and a half mm-hmm. if your parents sign off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 17 and a half it is. And at that point, I wasn't living um, at home, but I took the recruiter to my mom, and uh, she she you know she started crying. She's like, oh my god, you're serious about this? I was like, I've been talking about this for a long, long time. I understand that my actions uh, did not represent that me running around, causing trouble, selling guns and drugs. Yeah, I, I understand that, but but 
what I was doing was never a life thing for me. I I always wanted to join the military. It seems like, and Chuman, tell me if you feel the same way about it. It's like, I think that for a lot of people that come from a very tattered past or inconsistent or, you know, it's all over the place, other shoes dropping, you don't know where the next move is going to be, that something like joining in with, um, joining the services is something that almost looks like stability. And, uh, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like, uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to be. And I know it might be tough, but there's a sense of security in that. And a sense of consistency, right? A hundred percent. Some order to the chaos. Right, right, right. A hundred percent. Because like in boot camp, while dudes were, were losing weight, I was gaining weight. Cause I was like, dude, they're giving me three meals a day. day. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, even though they were giving a shit and stuff like that, I remember thinking like, when they took us to the Chaha, I was like, they're good. We're going to eat again. Hell yeah. And then they took us for dinner and I was like, oh, hell yeah. So I was getting, uh, and that's when I really understood, I started finding out that I was malnourished and stuff like that because, you know, uh, some of the drill sergeants would, would, would say it and they would notice it. Like you can tell who, who had a, a bad upbringing cause you guys are getting bigger while the other guys who are used to certain things are getting smaller. Right. Right. And what were the guys like that you came in with? Like, you know, in the movies, they just show people in the barracks and stuff. Is that how it was? Yeah, it was in the barracks and it was almost like they did it on purpose. But my platoon in, in boot camp was, was with all the dudes from bad neighborhoods, like from, from, um, New York, from, uh, uh, New Orleans, uh, Texas, uh, Florida, you know, like Miami area, you know, uh, California, North and South. And it was almost like they did it on purpose. And I got to see, you know, like, hey, there's fucking, there's poor white people too right. that have like their hood area from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of the dudes was like, yeah, I, I'm here because I, uh, I, I, I was almost, almost convicted for murder, but I was found, uh, you know, uh, not guilty. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the judge was like, "Yo, you're gonna join the military." He's like, "Yes," and he's like, "Okay, you better join the military." That's, but that's real, uh, Chumahan. There's a bunch yeah. of guys that young and they commit these crimes and they get like close call, and their family's <laughs> like, "You know what? You can move out, or you can go to the service." Yeah, you know, because they yeah. figure like that's the fix right there. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I would imagine, yeah, that there's guys in there that were like a second away from going down the bad path, and oh, hundred percent, and <clears> that that's kind of where I was at. You know, I they had just raided uh, four of our houses uh, at the same time, and 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 I was like, I gotta fucking join now. So when the recruiter told me, hey, you can join at seventeen and a half, I was like, I'm not gonna wait any second. You went and got the paper signed. I, yeah, I was like, I got away with this. Uh, I'm pushing my luck. I've been pushing my luck for years. Right. I'm out. Right. Right. So, so, but the guys, so it was mixed racially with the guys that you had in the platoon. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of fights at first, you know, but towards the end, especially in graduation, it, the military has a, has a, they, they know what they're doing when it comes to, uh, building a team, you know? So, cause at the end, the dudes who hated each other at the end were some of the best, you know, really close friends. It's systematically like they know. Yeah. And that is interesting that you say that, bro. That's exactly, they know what they're doing. They've been doing this for so long. Yeah. They know the human characteristics and the breaking points and the bonding points. And, and if you stick, but let me ask you something though. Um, when you say that there were fights, like, Let's just say in the boot camp, in when you when you're first there, maybe your first uh, six months or whatever. Like, how, what is the get down? Like, all right, lace up your shoes and we're going to the bathrooms or yeah. we're going to the back and like. Yep. But you're keeping that shit like between yourselves. Yes, hundred percent. 
Yeah, and um, that's all. So we had a uh, like a uh, you know multi stall bathroom. Obviously, it's big. Yeah, um, and we would just go there and fight. And uh, at first, how it went is that everybody from a certain area would stick together. So like all the dudes from New York would would stick together. All all, all the dudes from California would stick together. Um, and it wasn't necessarily based off race. It's just more like of where you came from. Area, yeah, the area. Because um, dudes in Miami, you know, they're they're mixed, right? Dominican, Cuban, right, everything. Uh, everything. So mm-hmm. you know, it was more based on the area. Um, and then, of course, you had, and then you 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 know it. You know, then there was some dudes that were it was based on race. You know, the racial because thing. because when I joined, uh. When I joined, they were like, hey, by the way, if you don't have papers, we can give you papers. And I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm born here. And they're like, all right, cool. But at that time, they were giving papers because they wanted bodies. Right. So, so Holy shit. So, Damn. Th- so there was a bunch of dudes who normally right now probably would not make it in. Like uh, I saw dudes with straight up swastikas on them, you know, like on their, on their arms, huge and stuff like that. And, and obviously right now they wouldn't be able to join. Mm-hmm. But – but you know, um, back then, back back then you, they were. In in what about so so? How do you how do you just navigate that in that situation? On the one hand, you're stuck with those dudes. On the other hand, like, what is your perspective about it well, all at that so, time? Some some dudes would they would learn right away. Like, hey, you know, um, shit, man, I was wrong. You know, and some dudes would, would find it hard. Like I remember, to fast forward, not stop talking about boot camp, but like in my in my unit, right? You 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 pass everything, you go to your first unit. Um, yeah. There was a dude who would say, "Hey, man, for for Mexican, you're not bad," and mm, and mm. the military has a very dark sense of humor because of obviously we we deal with death and stuff like that. So we we, we joke around a lot about things that most civilians wouldn't. So when he said right. that, I thought he was him, him joking. Then after a while, he just kept saying that, kept saying that. And then I knew I knew he wasn't messing around. And one day, uh, he had he, he his dad had just passed away, and uh, he was telling me, he's like, you know what, man? You know when I would tell you that you're not bad for a Mexican? And I was like, yeah. And um, he said, I wasn't joking. And I told him, I, I figured you weren't joking. Mm-hmm. And he said, my, my, I love my dad, and, and he taught me a lot of great things. And, but he told me that all Mexicans were just coming here and raping the country and taking advantage of it and never giving back. And and you know I was wrong. And and you 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 showed that to me. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm, I'm I got a little ball of mixed emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it took time, right, for him to realize what his dad had been teaching him. Sure, was was wrong. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I've learned so far in, in all my experiences. Is that it's not you're not going to change anybody's mind with a picture, a post, a thirty second clip. It's uh, a <laughs> time and example, and most human beings Damn. are not patient. It is, bro. It's time, and everybody wants that quick, that quick fix, that fixing, yeah. and and it's time and it's consistency, man. Hundred percent, you know. Especially when it's sometimes, and I'm not even going to just say for anything, right? that's taught to you from an older generation that you respect that may no longer apply or is not correct. Yeah. It is going to take time for you and, to see your, yes, Juman, and you're a child and you're getting it from your parent. Yeah. That's, right. that's almost innately. You're going to believe that and roll with that, you know? Right. And then at what point, so you're going through this process. Mm. At what point does it occur to everybody, the drill sergeants, the motherfucking people in the platoon that like, 
Oh, so Cortez is uh, a little bit of a badass. He's a high achiever. So, uh, you know, the, the, the selection process to become uh, a ranger is long. And, and you even the pre-waiting areas, like, uh, so RASP is the program. It's called Ranger Assessment and uh, Selection Process, right? So, yeah. So to go to the selection program, you have to wait at pre-RASP. So at pre-RASP, they were already kicking your ass and try to weed dudes out. And I remember I was in line and there was a, a, another dude right next to me. I think he was Asian. And uh, there was, and all I hear is, is somebody laugh and, and say, these guys think they have a chance. And I, and <laughs> I, I, I turned around and it was these two tall white dudes. Um, and I remember thinking, all right, well, at that time, I, I, the, there's not much I can go off because I don't have much accomplishments, right? I, I, I wasn't a, a high school football star or anything like that. I wasn't anything, you know? So when he said that, I remember feeling bad and being like, fuck, man, like, I don't know. I look at these dudes, uh, you know, they're built like fucking Superman. I'm not sure if, if they're here. I don't look like that. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it, but I'm going to keep trying. Right. And in two fucking weeks, they were gone. Damn. And the, and then and the, what is that attributed to? Mental toughness. So yeah. uh, I know it now, but at the time I didn't know. Is yes, you have to pass the the physical requirements, but if you don't have the mental toughness, you will break. You will quit. You will raise your hand. You will ring that bell or whatever selection process has for you that that is the signal for you to quit. And I and that time after time I saw dudes who if you put them right next to me and you're like hey. Uh, for a million dollars, who do you think is the special operations guy? They'd be like, well, fucking that dude over there. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I'm not going to lie. It fucking hurt. You know, everything hurts. Your knees hurt. Your back hurts. Your fucking everything hurts. But you just have to keep at it because it, it's not going to last forever. What's the thing that took the most guys out? Um, Man, the mental games. You would think it's it's the physical stuff, and it is, but it was it was them – Telling you, and they are fucking so good at it. They'll 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 make us do like some nine mile run, right? And then they'll they'll be like, uh, everyone's fucking dying, you know. And they're like, uh, they're like, oh, and you think you think this is it? You think you think this is the type of things you're gonna do? Um, or a ruck, right? Some you have sixty five pounds on you, and you're told to fucking fucking walk that way as fast as you can, and then until you tell you meet somebody tells you to move back and turn around. And they'll do that. And dudes will complete that. And based off just how bad that sucked and somebody them telling them, you think this is over? This is just the beginning. After, Even though they just completed the event, them telling them like, oh, it's not over. There's even more. It makes dudes just be like, okay, I'm done. What was the closest you came to Angel to quit? In in my head, um, it's I because I, I've mentored a lot of dudes at this point to enter the special operations community because a bunch of them have messaged me on, on, on Instagram and it all fucking is usually the same thing the same message is like hey man no offense but you're small so how did you do it and then I tell them right mental toughness and that for me the 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 and I tell them everything's gonna fucking hurt there's no you uh, <laughs> and for me it was when I fucked up my knee and they made us run, and my knee just each fucking step kept hurting. Each step kept hurting, and that same knee that kept hurting, I I, I stepped off wrong, and so I rolled my ankle. And then I'm like thinking, like, uh, how can I fucking? I fucked up. Like I I rolled my ankle. My knee hurts. This leg is fucked. I'm not sure how I'm even gonna complete it. And I remember just thinking that the whole day, 
uh, the day was over. I went to bed and I woke up and I was like, you know what? I just have to do today. That's it. I don't stop thinking right. about like the weeks that are ahead of me. No, just focus <sighs> on the day. And that's how I did it is, is, is day by day. It sounds fucking corny, but that's how, that's how you do it. It's interesting, bro. Um, that you say that. Now, I'm going to give you an example of something people ask all the time. They're like, you know, how do you knock out five years? How do you knock out fucking X amount of time doing doing prison time? You know, yeah. and, um, uh, you know, when you look at the calendar and there's that many pages of days. And how do you do that? How do you? And I remember telling guys like, you know, either the time's going to do you or you're going to do the time. Yeah. And I would see guys that couldn't cut loose the streets or guys that couldn't stop thinking about the past or the present and bro the time would break them down they yeah. lose weight they'd fall apart they'd go into fucking isolation and i remember um somebody telling me early on we were we had made a chess board in the cell and we were playing chess with like pieces that we had made and then we were doing push-ups, and then we were cleaning the cell, and then we took time to read, and then we and we kind of kept ourselves busy. And and this older dude, um, uh, uh, Lyroy from Florencia, rest in peace. He tells him, "You see, bro, you just got to do today. You just got to do right now. You just do right now. What are we doing right now? We're working out. What are we doing right now? We're playing chess." Tomorrow we go to chow. What are we doing right now? We're going to see what they got to eat. Yeah. And you just have to do what's in front of you, and. And that's how you do it. But, you know, and I think that that when you say it in your terms, I think that it really applies overall. Uh, Everything, bro, is you do now. Yeah. You know, because that's all you can do. Nothing's promised. Everything else behind you is done. So it's uh, it's just interesting that you said that because I would be questioning, too, how do you do it when you get to that place? And it's the same answer. It's interesting. Yep. In... uh so tell us how it felt. At what point did you know, right? At some point you had this fucked up leg, looked like a bloated shrimp. You're yeah. like, fuck, I still got to do this ruck. I got to <laughs> But then there came a time where you were like, Angel, you're going to fucking make it. I, t- I tell you when what, you were- I the dudes around me, yes, the, the vast majority of them are big, right? And so... It was more than halfway because it's 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 if you don't have to repeat anything, rasp is only eight weeks long. Uh, it was week number four or five, and I was like, I'm making it, I'm fucking making it. <laughs> and for the rest of the time, I I forget to be honest because of who it, what right what I see who I'm with. I forget how small I am all the time. I remember I was watching uh, the baseball a baseball game and uh, when the San Francisco Giants. Were I think they won it, and they had they have a fucking short player, and uh, he was standing right next to a tall player, and uh, I was like, "Damn, look how small he is!" And my friend's like, "Angel, you look like that when you stand right next to Ryan." I was like, "Fuck no!" I'm like, I was like, "Cause he, Ryan, Ryan is a ranger, right?" And and I was like, "Fuck no!" And then I would look come, I look up how tall this player is, and I was like, "Oh shit, we're the same height." Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, it's it's. I felt like I, you know, it was week four or five. I was like, I fucking felt like six feet tall. Man, and what dude. is the grad? Oh, go, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna ask him. Like, and so, what's the graduation process like? Because I, I, one of my favorite movies is Officer and a Gentleman. I love that moment when he's graduating and fucking Lou Diamond or Lou. Uh, what is his name? Lou. The hell's a black dude's name? Yeah, Lou Gossett Jr. 
Yeah, thank you. Not Lou Diamond Phillips. And he pins the medal and shit. For you, what was it? What did they do? So so they put us in, in, in uniform and I had um I had a friend who who was high ranking. Um, cause I, I had met him all, uh, you know, throughout my career. So when he came up and all the, all the instructors are like, what the fuck? How, how does he know this guy? Um, he, he, he put my patch on, on my shoulder and, um, and you have the, you know, you have a tan beret, you put it on, you say the Ranger Creed, you get pinned and then, you know, you're, it's done. It's over. Let me, I, I want to go back up a minute, man. That's, I love this story. I want to back up a minute and that is. When you're you're talking about mental toughness, you you I, I don't understand or I don't know, and I want you to explain to me what your experience was. I don't know that if you tell somebody that you're gonna have to be mentally tough, if that's gonna give them mental toughness. So my question is this: I believe that you know the harder your life is, the more shit you go through, the stronger you become. So. I mean, and there's a lot of like candy asses that have had their ass padded their whole yes. lives. And I see in real life, <laughs> a lot of those dudes just can't fucking make it happen. It's not in them. Yep. It's not their fault. It's that they've been padded the whole ways. You know? Yep. Did you find that like guys that had made it to the level that you made it to, when you guys would talk about your upbringings and stuff, maybe they didn't, maybe they weren't poor. Maybe their dad had them in fucking Pop Warner football busting yep. their ass. But did you find that guys that were making it to the level that you made it to, did they have hard lives getting there? Yes. Because. And, were, and was that something that you really noticed? Yes, I did. Because it was either, and you said it correctly, it, it's either they had. An upbringing similar to mine, or they weren't poor. They didn't live in gang areas, but they're they were fucking wrestlers. Their dad had them in wrestling. They had them in football. They had them in something that they were building that mental toughness. Were there some outliers? Yes. Like we had this dude who in my class who was uh, uh he was thirty two and 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 at the time for, to go to the selection you're you're on the older side of the age um, uh, medium. He was like, yeah, and we were like, oh man, uh, you know, what did you do? Because you know, again, some of the dudes grew up in poor, some dudes were athletes, and he's like, oh yeah, I was just a lawyer. I was a lawyer for X amount of years, and one day I was like, you know what? I am fed up working for this guy. Um, I've been in, behind a desk my entire life. I want to go be a ranger, and he just fucking did it. And wow. and so, but yes, the vast <laughs> majority were in something. Something was going on in their life. You don't just wake up. And well, besides that lawyer, you don't just wake up and be like, you know what? I want to go be the elite of the elite. And we don't well, know it's, for it's, sure. And we don't know for sure what was going on in that lawyer's life prior to being a and, lawyer. Right? And, and you sure. know what's 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 interesting to add to the, this discussion is is also that there's a lot of people that have hard lives and difficult circumstances and tough dads that don't make it. They somehow didn't get stronger from that. They get distracted they get sucked up into cycles of addiction they they can't handle direction or whatever it is so um angel yes. what do you think along with having adversity there seems to be some other element to it what do you think that is because it's not just adversity it's so you there's different types of, of, of i think that things that would happen and they can carry you an, 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 an individual, right? And and for me, it was not being 
something my entire life, not being told any of it, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a small, malnourished, poor kid. Many people said that I, 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 could, I would never do anything. I would, I would never accomplish this. I could never accomplish that. There's no way you can do this. And it built, and it built something within me to, to prove all those people wrong. And then, yeah. all, and then also, you know, when I joined, uh, I told my, my my little brother and my sister, I was like, I'm doing this for us. I had mm-hmm. shit fucking parents growing up. Now they're they're much better human beings. Um, but I was like, hey, I'm doing this for us. So I have this thing in me that it's not just this. This whole thing is bigger than myself. Yeah, the fucking a dude. Let me tell you, man, that type of fire is motivation, bro. I mean, so go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. So you 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 graduate, <clears throat> you you get. How long after graduation do they deploy you over to Iraq? So four we, uh So after uh, when I got to my unit, four week or uh, four months later, I was in Iraq. And I mean, so you went through this hell, right? That that kicks most dudes' ass. Now you're put in theater. Yeah. Does that bring a whole new level of fear or and whatever in you? Well, of 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 course. Like I remember the day before I deployed, I I I didn't even sleep because like this is, this is the big leagues, right? I mean, in and <sighs> here here on in the streets, yeah, you know, been shot at, shot back, been in fights, been stabbed, yeah. But this is this is next level. I you know I would I would watch videos. Of the things that would happen, you know, like in, in war, and and if the Taliban call you, you know, all the beheadings and and the torture, and so Fuck. so I was like, okay, this is this is it, this is this is the big leagues, let's see. And for me, that that I things did happen in Iraq, but it was when I went to Afghanistan that you know, like I said, we made national headlines three times. There's books written about what happened. There's there's dudes giving TED talks. And that's where I got everything that at the time I thought I wanted. Now that that I went through it, you know, and and I understand all the young gun fighters right now who who are in these units or are in the military or wanting to join and they want to be proven. I, I I have, I have, I had that feeling. I still have that feeling. You know, you want to see what you're made out of, right? Mm-hmm. But man, right. they when it the real stuff, it's I got more than what I asked for. And then, right. and then you get to see it, and you get to feel it, can, and it's it touches you, and it's never going to leave you. Can you describe <clears throat> maybe because I think everyone at home that gets this stuff in the headlines doesn't necessarily really appreciate everything. And so, from your experience, what what is the difference, or how would you compare what's going on in Iraq with what they had you doing over in Afghanistan? Like what are the major differences? So, so the, the, the biggest difference, well, I mean, what it is, is it all depends on what time you go and where you go. Right. Cause I have friends who were like, they were like, man, my Afghanistan deployment. Yeah. It was kind of hot, but no, Iraq was worse. It, it's, it's not that one is worse than the other. It's all dependent on where you're at and what time you're at. Um, for me, uh, Afghanistan was just worse because uh, the, it's the mountains, the high elevation, right? Iraq was flat. It's like a city. Um, but in the mountains, there's a reason why uh, the Russians couldn't do it. Uh, all the other nations and, and conquerors that have tried to, to take over those mountains, they haven't. They, these people have been born and raised there, and, and they've been there for you know decades. They know the mountains like the back of their hand, and they know how to fight, use, and, and maneuver. Um and technology doesn't work as well at that high elevation. It fucking doesn't. Mm. Um, like, in what way? What way can you tell us that like you would be 
dealing with whatever situations high up in the mountains, what would break down or what what wouldn't work? So right off the bat, right? We uh, I think the U.S. for a long time has been has been babied by technology. So we have you know we have drones, we have uh, great communication, we have uh, Apaches with rockets and everything like that. But um, something as simple as communication would just fucking break down and not work. You know, um, so in the high elevation, then you have certain roads that you can only go on. It's not like on flat land where like, I'm just going to cut through here, or go through there. And it's like, no, you got one road. They know you're going to go on that road. They're going to put these big ass fucking bombs. And day after day, you have to either walk or drive on there. And dudes are fucking getting blown up all the time. My job was to find these bombs. So I, I then in Afghanistan is where I was pulling bombs out of the roads with my bare hands. And playing that playing that game of uh, will this blow up on me? And I always say that war is a drug because it is it is when I felt the highest of the high and the lowest of the lows. And I would take every anytime something big happened and I wanted to get that high, I would take bigger risk, high risk, high reward. And that high reward was that high. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of us, you know, we, I, it was safe to say we lost our fucking minds. Like I've dealt with suicide bombers, with car suicide bombers, dude suicide bombers, as in like somebody having explosives on their hands, I mean on their bodies and just blowing themselves up or having a truck loaded with explosives and blowing themselves up. I've washed brains off trucks so the younger guys wouldn't fucking see it. Uh, I've been woken up by machine gun fire and rockets countless of times. To the point where sometimes I would wake up, grab my rifle, grab my grenade, my grenade launcher, run down, and think that they're firing at us. But what it is is that it, it ha- occurred so many times that in my dreams I thought that's what was happening. And so when I run down, I see my boys playing hacky sack. Mm-hmm. And they look, they're looking at me, and they know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. This dude got woken up, and he thinks we're under attack, but it, it's in his fucking head. Mm-hmm. Man, have you... <laughs> I'm wondering, like, with with that type of stuff, how? I mean, you sit here today and you seem pretty cool, calm, and collected. Has that taken work and and therapy? Yes, and, a and, lot and, of uh, work, a lot of work, and a lot of therapy, man. Because it's not to say because oh, I'm a tough guy or whatever, but and when when my friends would die, be killed overseas, I I didn't cry, I, I didn't because I knew. We're still fucking here. We still have things to do tomorrow, the next day, the day after that. We're not going home anytime soon. And especially, uh, I was a I was a sergeant before I turned twenty one. I was already controlling men in in combat. So I was like, look, I can't, I can't break down. I can't let this affect me. And then when we would come home, it would be the same thing. Um, at the time, it was weakness to show any type of emotion towards your dead friends or, or, or if you had PTSD or whatever, everybody hit it. So when I got out, you know, um, I call it the honeymoon stage. I got out in 2016. Uh, it was about three months until the honeymoon stage was over. As in, mm-hmm. I came home. My wife is from here. I'm from here. So, you know, of course, the fa- our families are happy that we're home. I've been away for almost a decade. And everything's great. And, and I remember... Before I got out, I asked one of my friends who who had gone out a year before me. I told him, "Hey, Link, what should I expect? You know, what should I be concerned? Because you, in the end, you hear about all this shit that's happening to veterans on the out, right? So he's like, just be ready for the storm. So as soon as he told me, I had a pretty good idea what he meant, right? But I, I but when it hit, man, it it you have a ball of emotion that has been suppressed for a long, long time. 
and then it all slowly comes out. Mm. And I'm asking myself questions that I never thought I would ask, right? Like, what the fuck was this for? Why did my friends <sighs> die? Why can I not go to sleep? I would, I felt like if I had to be ready for something, but there's nothing. It's over for me. The show is over. And I would be at home with my rifle, making sure it's loaded, making everything's ready. But like, you know, besides during the times when I would have to go to sleep and I wouldn't, besides that, you would think everything was great because I was using my education benefits and I was going to school. I was getting A's and B's. I competed and trained in Muay Thai when I was active duty. So I'd already found a gym here and I was training and competing. So in the out, you would think this dude has a flawless transition. But in the inside, I was fucking, I was fucking dying. I mean, I'm just thinking of like, Greater risk, greater reward. Like the level that you're living, I can't imagine it. But at that level of life and death, every second, every corner, to come to like, it just seems so mundane to come to like regular life. Okay, I'm going to the gym. Yeah. All right, I'm going to drive to the store and get some milk. Like there's no fucking snipers waiting for you. There's no fucking, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like, and and the change up was like, was that, was that, something very very difficult to deal with it it was it, it so so coming back from a deployment um i was i would get used to having a rifle you have to have your rifle loaded out on you at all times there'd be times where i didn't know if i was going to wake up because we would sleep not in a base outside right so you're like fuck maybe they'll fucking sneak up on us and just kill us in our sleep so you get used to having the rifle on you at all times. So when I got home, I loaded up my rifle and just like everything normal was normal to me. And I put it right next, right next to me going to sleep. And, and, and I thank my wife for just letting her be me and work through it because after some time, then I, instead of having the rifle right next to me, like literally right next to me, I would just put it against the wall. And then after some time, I just left it in the closet. And then after that, I just put everything away. And to this day, I would, you know, I would ask her like, what did you think when I just got home, loaded up my shit, and just put it right next to me? Yeah. She's like, I, I figured you had to work through it, and 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 you just got, you just came back from getting used to that. So I just let you kind of just be you, and I knew you weren't gonna do anything bad. Um, and then I was just like, shake my head, like fuck. But then, outside of the military, being look, being in special operations, you don't become the best of the best by staying at home. You're always fucking training. The tempo is high. You can't fuck up. If you fuck up, there's a guy right next to you, behind you, ready to take your spot mm. at all times. And you don't want to, you you want to stay in that spot. Um, it's a very competitive environment. So when I got out, one of the things that was hard to stop in my head was that like, hey man, you can relax. You're not in a in a environment where you have to perform at the top fucking level day in and day out or you're going to get yelled at or you're going to lose your spot or whatever. It's like, dude, it's it's over, man. Relax. Mm. Damn, what the, What was the thing, you know, you said there was this ball of emotion that so, you had yeah. pushed together, right? So the ball... What? The ball of emotion was was one. I I never processed any of my friends' deaths. I I I I I never you know really got time to just let it out, man. It's, when your friends die like that and they're young, you know it it it's very emotional and you should have worked through it. I never did that. I, I I you know being shot at and 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 shooting back and you know they're trying to kill you, you kill them and and it's it's not normal to. 
that's not normal behavior in, in, in most human beings. So then it builds up an anger. It builds up all this. And I, and I would be angry and, 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 mm-hmm. and anything that would set me off, instead of just being like, oh, you know, that was a minor thing, I would fucking get super furious. Um, and, and, and then with my wife, my wife, throughout my entire career, she never gave me any shit when I would leave. I missed the birth of both my, my first kids. My I didn't meet my kids, each one, until like weeks after they were born. Mm-hmm. She never gave me shit. And then so then that came out. So all of a sudden I'm dealing with my shit and then she is now expressing all the stuff that she held in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm sleeping in the futon in my aunt's house and on the verge of getting divorced. So mm-hmm. it took a lot of work in order for me to to get to where I'm at now, right? So two two of the biggest things that, and I tell the young guys now, the younger guys, like, man, when you get out, two things are two big things are gonna happen. You're gonna lose your community, and you're gonna you're gonna lose your purpose. And you have to find those two right away, as soon as you can. Be active, because even the dudes who were kind of annoying in my unit, I missed. Right. You know. So, right. And then and then I went to go talk to to therapists, and then I I t- I, I did healthier habits to go fall asleep take take cbd or smoke a little weed um and physical fitness has been proven to you know help you not just physically but mentally and then uh, obviously nutrition i started going to school to become a registered dietitian i'm two i'm two classes away from earning my bachelor's in nutrition nice. and dietetics nice so i learned about that and but the biggest when, oh I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt but I, I really want to understand this i really want to understand this thing how hard was it for you to open up to the therapist? I mean, were the hard. therapist people who had go ahead, tell me about it that. Was, so it was it it was so hard because because one, okay, I get out, I realize I have a problem, I'm 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 about to and I'm doing everything that I possibly can before I hit the therapist, right? So I did the right. the, the fitness, nutrition, sleep. Uh, and then when all that kind of worked, but I realized I needed more is is you know what it was my kids and my family, right? My wife and my kids like, look, they they don't fucking deserve to to not have the best version of their dad just because I'm too fucking of a pussy to walk in and, and talk to, to a therapist. So I did that. And and that did work. But what worked the most for me was taking high doses of psychedelics in a controlled setting, uh, specifically ketamine, DMT, and then mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what happened then? So you, you talked to the therapist. I'm not sure when somebody gave you like the solution or an idea for treating some of these things, but what was the feeling you were having before? And then what did the psychedelics do to those feelings? So, 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 so the psych specifically for so the psychedelics, right? So I work for, for DSG, right? DSG, the owner is, his name's Michael Dowd. He's a, he's a former Navy SEAL. And Mike is a fucking friendly happy fucking dude he's born and raised in socal he's a surfer so you can imagine looks like a surfer super chill dude and mike would tell me like hey man you i've been doing this 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 ketamine therapy in a professional setting as a matter of fact the the company's called field trip health and they're based out of santa monica Mm -hmm. or not based but they have a place in santa monica and the and, and he's like i think you should go and and i told him uh yeah but to be honest what it was is i was scared and Mike then opened up and he's like, dude, I used to have problems. I used to, because Mike trains in, um, martial arts as well. He's like, dude, I used to go to bars and as soon as somebody gave me shit, I would head kick them. 
if somebody in, in here in LA would fucking cut me off and flip me off, I'd fucking get out and take out my gun and be like, what bitch? Like, and, and just fight dudes. And I was very angry, which is, you know, and, 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 and I was just pissed at the world. And when he would describe how he used to be, I'm like, dude, that's not the mic I know. The mic I know is super friendly, you know, no ego, humble as fuck. Um, he's always happy. And he's like, dude, it was the ketamine therapy. So when I, and I, it took me about a couple months to work up the courage and be like, you know what, Mike, let's do it. And, and, and the way it works is they do therapy and then they call it the journey, the journey and then therapy, the journey and then the therapy. And, and I was fucking nervous and I was scared, not even nervous. I was scared. And I told my wife, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go do the ketamine therapy. And when I did it, it was, it was, it, I remember driving on the way Mike took me and I remember thinking, man, I hope I get in a car accident because I don't want to fucking right, do this. Right. I don't want to do this. Right. And, it, and, 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 and I call it the it, like it knew it was going to be fucking destroyed and it didn't want to get destroyed and it didn't want me to go do this, this, this right, therapy. Dog, yeah. And oh, think about that. man, I thought, I thought I died. I, I didn't think about anything. Um, like anything materials, anything about events. I just thought about my family, and I wish I had more time to uh, uh, to be a better dad and and repay all the years of, of. By the time I got out of the army, my 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 son was five, and I had done the math. I had spent away more time than actually physically being next to him. And the dude's five, mm -hmm. so after the second session, uh, oh, after the first session, I, I, the, because you can't drive the deal was Mike was said, Hey man, you just stay in my house. Cause he lives right next to the clinic, stay in my house. And when you wake up, you know, you can, you can then take your car home. But based on, on my trip, I said, Mike, I want to go home. And, 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 and he's like, he's like, are you, he's like, are you sure? He's like, just take a nap. We'll eat some food and then I'll take you. And I was like, okay. And and so we did that. And I got home super late at night and my wife wasn't expecting me. And she goes, oh, I thought you, she opened the door. She's like, I thought you were going to stay the night. I was like, yeah, I just want to, I just want to go home. And I lay in bed and, and, but I was so tired because it, it, it physically me or mentally, mentally drains you. Right. Sure. So, but Wait. when the, the ketamine therapy, so when I lay down, I told her, I told her and she asked me, how was it? I was like, it was good. And I fell asleep. And then when I woke up, she was cooking and I, and I walked in the kitchen. I, I, and she was making eggs and I, and I told her, you know, I was like, Hey, just, just stop. Um, just sit down. Let me talk to you. And, and she, and I looked at her and I told her, I was like, you know what? I, I realized that we're about to be, um, 11 years married and, and the version that you've been getting lately is not the version you got for the vast majority of the time. Uh, I failed in a lot of ways as a as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as a lover, um, and then many times you weren't even second. You were even you weren't even third. You were like fifth and last on a lot of my priorities, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry. And I could just tell she was like fucking shocked. Like you just left to do this therapy. And you and 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 she and 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 she, what came out of her mouth? She was like, she said, "I've been meaning to tell you things for a long time, and for you to understand and feel them, and I wanted you to say things, but I didn't want you to say them or think them because it came out of me. I wanted you for it to come from inside." Right. 
And I, and then the next day we had to do another journey. And so, right. So I did that. And this time my, my, my family picked me up and the way that went, I, I went downstairs, I got in the passenger seat, I turned around, I looked at my son and my daughter and, and I, and, and, and at that time, then I have a three-year-old or two-year-old at the time, she's two, but I looked at my, my oldest, my middle child and, and I told them, AJ, Ari, maybe you're too young to understand or maybe you do remember, but I miss a lot of your guys' life uh, and I didn't know how much it affected me until now and, and I'm sorry um, and I want to be a, a better dad and it was the beginning of the summer so I was like, this summer I want to take time to get to know you because I saw my two-year-old be born. I, I I know what makes her her, but I don't really know what makes my two oldest them. Right. And my and my oldest started crying, and he said, I'm, I'm happy that you're saying this. Mm-hmm. And I forget because, I think we all forget because the children, we think they're, they don't understand or they're dumb or whatever. No, they know. Oh, yeah. So when he, oh, yeah. So when he said that, I, I got out of the front seat. I, I, I turned around. I, I opened the passenger door, and I hugged him. And... and we went home and, and I was taking a shower and I told my wife, I was like, I've been doing this psychedelic therapy, but I never even asked you like if you wanted me to do it or you were cool. What do you think about all this? And she just looked at me and said, you should have done this a long time ago. Mm. Mm. Wow. You you called it the journey. Yeah. That's that's what they so, called it. So that's what I call it too. Yeah. So, so when you... Go through the therapy. I imagine the therapy. How long is that therapy session? My, so the the therapy session is like about an hour. The journey, um, the first one, it was an hour and a half, and then the second one was about forty five minutes. But it feels and in that journey, the first one, right, yeah. where you weren't sure, like if, you, but you're gonna do it for the family. Yes. So what do they do? Do you so, sit in like a weird chair and they put a needle in your arm? Like how does it work? So so they have um they do a little prep session first so you can chill, right? You you walk up into they own a whole floor in this building, right? So you open the door and and it's plants, light colors, very calm. There's like almost you can't even hear LA. Um and you do like a little meditation thing and then they tell you okay you're ready for the journey you're like yes they take you to a, a room they have multiple rooms so you can either lay down or or be on a, a uh, zero gravity chair i wanted to lay down i'm laying down they put a weighted blanket on me and they tell me are you you know you're ready i said yes they have a heart monitor attached to you um they put um music and and a face mask so you can't see light and they they tell you first we're going to inject you with five milligrams of ketamine and then after a while, we're going to ask you, do you want more or less? Um, and then so they they, they they come up to me. They're like, are you ready? I said, yes. They inject me in my arm. So it, it, it's intermuscular. Mm-hmm. So they inject me. And almost immediately, I felt I couldn't feel the blanket on me. I couldn't feel the face shield, face mask on me. And then I couldn't even feel the back to the ground. I just felt, it's weird to say, but like, my mind right it's just i couldn't feel my body right and then as if like they were far away i heard them hey how you doing and i could barely muster to say oh good and they're like do you want to go deeper or stay and i said and i in my head i was like dude if you're gonna do it go all out and i said deeper please and they injected me with uh i think it was 75 more milligrams of ketamine 
And so the first were 25, right? And then they inject me with 25 more. And I, w- I remember thinking, I wonder how long it's going to. And before I even finished that thought, mm-hmm. it I fucking took off. I, I saw certain colors and shapes and they were twirling and, and disappearing in the, in the middle and i remember thinking you know you, i, I kind of know what's going on right I'm, I'm i'm doing this therapy thing and then i forgot that i was doing the therapy thing and then oh, i, I and, I, and then I, I i i was like what happened i was like oh i'm I, i'm dead i died mm-hmm. and then and then i remember thinking well i have thoughts so what am i like and then i'm like well well i'm energy mm-hmm. i'm mm-hmm. i'm i'm energy and then and then it would just be more Shapes collapsing on each other. You thought you disappeared, huh? Yeah, I thought I thought I was done. <laughs> I thought I died, and then and then and then I, I thought about my family, and then I I thought about I wish I had more time. I wish I would have fixed this, and then and then it's thoughts about my family, and then shapes, you know, like diamonds stacking on top of each other, and then fucking me thinking like that was it, dude. Like you, you're dead. Your energy. And just this, but I remember thinking as when I realized or felt like I was, I thought I was dead. I was calm. I was okay with it. I was right. I you just tripping. I was tri- tripping hard. And the way it goes is, pe- some people might think like, dude, I will lose my fucking mind. The way it it happens is, the more attentive it gets, the calmer you actually right, are. Right. Right. So right. even though it's getting intense, you're just there. Right. And even if you wanted to, you can't get up. Because ketamine doesn't work that way. You can't even get up and run around. You, you, you it's can't. almost like you just accept whatever's coming. Accept it. Yeah. And don't fight it. Right. And then little by little, uh, the the shapes and colors kind of stopped. And then and then next thing you know, I, 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 felt, I felt my fingers move. And then I could feel my back to the ground. And then I remembered, oh, I'm in, I'm in Santa Monica. How long is that? It was, the first one was an hour and a half. But it but literally... It, it, it felt like it was 15 minutes. Right, 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 right. right, right. right. So I do find it – so after all of these experiences and this this one you had with the, with the ketamine and how it kind of grounded you or brought you to another, what is your perspective on what death is? So uh, – I had never really thought about it, and then when I would think about it, I would I would get anxious and nervous and and kind of scared. But I think death. I, I I don't know how we got here, humanity. I don't really know if it's because of God, some the universe, or whatever. But I know that we're here, and I think not not I think I know I know what what matters the most is people. And the relationships, not material things. Material things are cool, but that's not what matters. And then, and then, just try to leave the best mark that you can here. And then, when you die, you become that. You become energy. Because, so going to become a registered dietitian, I've had to take biochemistry, organic chemistry, uh, regular chemistry, uh, uh, microbiology, uh, human anatomy. I've had to take all these science classes. And well, energy never really disappears. It just right. it just keeps going, right? So the I will just become something else, and those uh, I'll just become something else. Man, um, 
I, I feel like we have so much more to talk about. What about, I think what you just shared is so amazingly important and valuable just, just for me to hear or everyone to hear to think about life and death. And you're a real person who you're not just abstractly talking about. You've been in situations where it was you or the other guy or whatever. And then you come back and have these experiences as well and come away with, you know, it's the relationships that matter. It's the, it's the wife and the children that matter. Yeah. And, um, what are you, what is your, what is it looking like for you now? Do you have plans about the future? Do you have, what is your passion? I know you said you're getting into dietitian and yeah, nutrition and all. So uh, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to become a registered dietitian because I work with DSG and DSG has allowed me to, to be with my friends and spread my experiences that I've been, I've, I've been in, in training SWAT teams. And then at the end, after <laughs> training with them for a couple of days, Mike is like, Hey, Angel, Tell them about your your life, and I'll tell them like, "Yo, man, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a former member of the special operations community, but before that, I, you, I, you know, I sold guns and drugs, and you know, I did it because uh, the necessity for to feed my brother and my sister and I. And afterwards, cops, the, the cop would come up to me and be like, "Hey, man, I never thought about that. I always thought criminals were criminals, and they wanted to because they were evil." I never thought that people would have to do things just because in their in their circumstances that's their best option, and they did what they had to do until they didn't have to. Um, that gives me that gives me more purpose than be, being a registered dietitian. Um, I do have the uh, the clothing the clothing brand OG Pumpkin that has allowed me to do a lot of uh, events for for the veteran community and now more specifically the low income community when. But when I first met Bobby, he asked me, "Do you ever think about running for anything?" And at the time, I didn't understand it. I do now. Why I know I understand why he asked me that. Um, uh, I want to be a. I'm not necessarily a politician, but I want to be a member of the community uh, because I am from the people, for the people. Um, uh, when I when I met Bobby, I told him no, I would never do anything like that and stuff like that because I had just gotten out. My passion is 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 for the veteran community, right? That's where I just came from. That's the world I came from. But now that I'm, I've been out for a while, you know, my family and friends they still live in these low income communities, and so I, I spend a lot of time there. So now that's what I keep seeing, and I keep seeing kids that used to be me, um, and a lot of these people who are are they say they're role models or these kids look up as role models are not it um so uh i know i'm not the only one i don't think it's a competition i think we should all work together and 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 have have you know our people um be better and and it's by example i i don't think i'm the best example but uh i think my resume speaks for for itself um and this year i started focusing more on low-income communities i've been dropping off uh, with the profits of my company, I've been dropping out food at food banks. Uh, I just finished doing something. I called it a Operation Hey, Do a Kickflip. I went to skate parks uh, in East Los, Orange County, and San Diego to low-income communities. And, and anytime I saw a kid with a fucked up board, I was like, yo, man, do a kickflip. I'll give you this fresh board. And then before or after, I would talk to them like, hey, man, I'm I'm just from an area just like this. Just like you, and usually I, I would do it in uniform, so I'll skate in uniform, and I think it's cool because like they're like, this dude is a, 
he's in, in the military. They think they still think I'm in, but mm-hmm. I'm not, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm in uniform <laughs> doing kickflips and stuff like that, and they're like, "What the fuck?" And then they're more willing yeah. to listen. Yeah. So I tell them, right. like, "Yo, man, I understand that it's fucking tough. All right, like it, it, your situation might suck, and you might think that you can't do anything, but you can. You can do whatever it is you want. I used to do this. I used to do that. Um, and that's all I've been doing this whole year. Uh, so I want to get more involved." And, and you know, in the Chicano community, that's how that, that that's why I think why Bobby was like, "Hey, do you ever think of being a figure in this community?" And at the time, I, I I didn't get it, but he saw something that at the time I wasn't ready or just couldn't see. Um, and I've had enough of of politicians saying that they fucking care about the community because they fucking don't, and 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 and. Uh, celebrities saying that that they do, but and they fucking don't. So I've been, exactly. I've been setting the example for a long, long time, but now I want to focus more on 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 what I know, right? Not to exclude anybody, but what I know is SoCal. Who and where I'm from is SoCal. My family and friends are still in these areas, and fuck, well, what 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 am I supposed to do? Live my best life and and, and act like there ain't, there's not kids out there that were just like me fucking sucking and they need some type of example right right man listen i I gotta tell you man i i am for one for one angel i need you to come back to the show i need to come back we may need you to continue to come back onto the show really anytime anytime um there's i mean chuman there's so much more um that we have to dive into with this guy you know there's a lot more. Yeah. I have a lot more questions. There's a lot more I want to talk about. I also, and I know that my partners agree, uh, would like to support you any way we can with, um, is it OG Pumpkin? Yeah, OG Pumpkin is the company. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, where do they go to find? Where do they go to yeah, find? Yeah, plug it so, in. So, so if you if you Google OG Pumpkin, it'll all come up. Or if you Google Ranger Cortez or Angel Cortez, there is enough articles and, and, and interviews of more stuff right um so and on instagram it's uh, the underscore og underscore pumpkin uh my my new instagram because instagram took away my my main account now i got this new personal one it's uh, it's l ogp so l as in ogp is like og pumpkin because mm-hmm. my original one was angel g cortez and they fucking took it from me uh, last week, so wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, hopefully you got those addresses. Um, what's your web address? Uh, ogpumpkin.com. Ogpumpkin.com. Okay. And then uh, if you want to train tactical training, I uh, I understand guns are, are killing a lot of people. There's a lot of bad people, bad people out there, but how you defeat a bad person with a gun is a good person with a gun. So hey, that's Chumahan's. Uh, that's Chumahan's. Uh, that's the uh, yeah. na- that's the slogan of the the NRA. Mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely, uh, while that is true, mm-hmm. I also point out that it takes sometimes it takes a little bit of time for the good guy with the gun to get down there where the bad guy set up. Yeah, true. So listen, man. I, I mean, <laughs> yes, I agree with you, Chuman. I also agree with Angel, and I sit right I in the middle of, uh, middle of the road on both that. Um, Angel, man, <laughs> it's fucking a pleasure, bro. Excuse my yes. French. I mean, it is really a pleasure. It's an honor, bro, to have you here. A man of your demeanor, your accomplishments, who you are today, what you've gone through, man. Um, 
you've inspired us, you've inspired me. And I just feel like there's a body of stuff for us to talk about and a lot of work for us to do, um, to continue to do. So let's let's continue this friendship. I thank you, Bobby Ruiz, Bobby yeah. Tribal, for making this introduction, man. This guy's nothing but a gentleman and a good man and and uh, hey man, we're gonna we're gonna do some work together. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's you, what it's you, about. You, you tell you tell me when. Uh, we'll say this. I'm gonna donate a kidney next month or November. What? So, <laughs> so my, this it guy might be does everything, bro. Yo, fuck! Uh, I, I love this guy, bro. And then, As a matter of fact, uh, I want you to move month, in right here. Right? You're not going back here, man. You live here. I'm gonna donate a kidney, and the next month I'm gonna be teaching blind nuns how to yeah, do nunchucks, and then after that, yeah. I'm legless. I love it, squirrels. bro. You're coming yeah. on the show some oh, more. So, yeah, before uh, I'm terrible at this. Uh, so George Perez, right from he's been on Joe Rogan, Food's yeah, Gone yeah. Wild. He's gonna do a comedy show in Fullerton, September fourteenth, to help raise money because uh, I do make money by teaching people how to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I'm gonna be off work for two to three months, so Bill still gotta get paid. Okay. Um, so uh, All right. he's gonna do that. Come out. You can get those tickets if you go to uh, the OG, uh, the uh, OG Pumpkin IG. Um, or Eventbrite, you know, kidney donation, Angel Cortez fundraiser. Wow. Oh, that's dope. And you know what, dude? We're going to get the flyer. We're going to put it up. We're going to show up. Um, We're going to help promote it along with OG Pumpkin. And and listen, man, we're in. All right? Thank you. You got us, right. man. Anyway, Angel. we could do a live broadcast of the actual surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Angel, listen, a pleasure having you on, brother. Thank you so much no, for coming down, thank man. You. What a gentleman. Yeah. Um, yep. Chumahan, what you got? I've got a Vonderbone LLP. Um, come to Orange County, Angel. Anytime I'll introduce you to all the lawyers and the various people I know in the community that might be able to help you move along uh, your aspirations for leadership. And I also want to thank again Bobby Ruiz and uh, Tribal yes. uh, for setting this up. Awesome, uh, and that's what I got. Uh, go ahead, Sean at Move Mental Media for all your audio and podcasting needs. And don't forget to hit us up at www.hardluckshow.com. Yes, yep. uh, www.supermaxhardware.com. Check us out. Pick up some uh, summer tanks and. Uh, at Cookies SF on Instagram or at Cookies Clothing LA on Instagram or www.cookiessf.com. Big shout out to Burner. Big shout out to Estevan Oreo. The whole Cookies and Vibes team, Vibes Rolling Papers. You guys always listen to the Hard Luck Show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're out of here. Peace. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.